Shows that make you laugh. Shows that make you think. Music that moves you. It can only be one place. Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. Animal Magnetism. Exploring animal care for creatures great and small. Conservation and preservation in today's world. Find out what a single voice can do to make a difference in the lives of animals. Animal Magnetism with Carolyn Hennessy starts right now on UBN Radio. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay, well, first of all, Happy New Year to everyone. And I think we're still within that, you know, that that period of time where you can still be saying Happy New Year. Uh, right? Right, Andrea? Absolutely. I think so. I think so. Happy New Year to everybody. Welcome back to this, our first 2017 episode of Animal Magnetism. Um, for the last f- two months, we've been doing our retrospective on <laughs> SeaWorld, the SeaWorld that was, not the SeaWorld that now is. God bless with their plummeting stock prices. Um, and now this, and now we're back live, live in the studio. At least I am. My fabulous producer and co-host Andrea Compton is still in Seattle, and I just wish she'd sort of give this this whole Washington thing up and come back <laughs> home. Um, but good morning, my darling. How are you? <laughs> You're trying to stay warm. Yes, ma'am. Is it, it, so it's 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 cold up there. Yeah, I've seen snow more times than I ever I ever have ever in my life. To. Again, here. another so reason to come. Unusual. Home. Another reason to come home. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about we're going to talk about everybody's holidays in just a moment. But I want to also welcome back uh, our, our our vegan teas. She's I just she's just she's the best vegan I know, pretty much. Camille Lacotte, how are you doing? How's uh, Hi, happy new year. I'm well. I am I'm I'm nursing a little bit of a cold, so um Well we're gonna get so to I'm a little raspy, that's the reason why. We're gonna get you up we're gonna get you pretty much at the top of the hour. We're gonna head into you at the beginning of the show with, with whatever you're teasing us with, vegan wise these days. Oh right. But uh Absolutely. is New is New York City treating you well? New York as well. Yes, it's nice and blustery and cold, but um, but everything is going well. I'm doing some educational programs for the Wild Bird Fund and uh, doing outreach, teaching people about the variety of wildlife in Manhattan and the surrounding boroughs. Wonderful. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. What excellent stuff! Excellent stuff. I think city pets are too. City pets and city city fauna are all too often forgotten. Mm-hmm. We we think of upstate New York and the surrounding environ environs as as being just, you know, chock full of, of wildlife and nature, but you never think of it being in Manhattan. But, yes, ex- excellent. Good girl. Yep. Good girl. Hey. And we also have our guest today, uh, our returning guest, not the first time we've spoken to her, Beth Pratt-Bergstrom. Save the, save the Cougars. Save the, save the L.A. Cougars. Uh, ha- that's a big hashtag. Uh, so when you're tweeting, just always use that hashtag, no matter what you're tweeting about. Uh, and we were, and how are you, Beth? How are your holidays? I'm, I'm doing great. Had a wonderful holiday, and uh, thanks for having me. It's always fun chatting with you guys. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, we can't wait. Um, everyone's holidays were great. I'm just going to talk about mine. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, you know, and Andrea, I think you were, were you in studio when Joey Herrick was here? Were you oh, in yeah, the no, I remember Joey and, yeah. and uh, yeah. what a lovely gentleman he was. 
He is a lovely gentleman. He's uh, he's basically my hero now. And for those who don't know, which I can't imagine is anybody, because I have plastered this all over Facebook and Twitter, um, Joey Herrick of the Lucy Pet Foundation and Lucy Pet Products uh, was here about a year and a half ago, maybe even two years ago, and at that time mentioned that he had a, he usually sponsored a Rose Parade float the Tournament of Roses, the granddaddy of them all, even bigger than the Macy's Day Parade. Uh, and at which point I sort of, my jaw went slack and I sort of turned into jello. And Because riding in the Rose Parade, I don't know why, I don't care, has always been on my bucket list. It's one of three things on my bucket list. And okay. so he said, um, he because he'd, he'd sponsored the floats with Natural Balance, with uh, the pet food that he had sort of created with Dick Van Patten. And uh -huh. now he'd left Natural Balance, and now he'd founded the Lucy Pet Foundation, Lucy Pet Products. And now he was sponsoring a float in the Rose Parade this year. And I, and he said, well, of course you can ride on it. And I just went, <laughs> like, it's like everything just went, everything just went north, south, east, and west. In, it's like I was vibrating. And... And yeah. so this entire past year, every few weeks, every couple of months, hey, Joey, how you doing? It's Carolyn. I'm still on. Are we still on? You know, don't tease me. Don't tease me because I'll find out where you live and I will mess you up, man. Anyway, so he said, he said, yes, yes, yes. And it got to be December and yes, yes, yes. And so January, uh, no, no, December 29th, <clears throat> I went down to... Uh, Irwindale to the Fiesta Float Barn, did some press, saw the float, extraordinary, the longest float in the history of the parade, surfing dogs, a huge tank, a wave machine, it was the hit of the parade. And then on January 1st, I went down for a big dinner that Joey was throwing, and then because the Rose Parade is never held on a Sunday, never held on a Sunday, if January 1st falls on a Sunday, the Rose Parade moves to Monday the 2nd. So that's what happened this right. year. And uh, three o'clock in the morning, I'm up. Four forty-five, I'm on the. I'm, on, I'm I'm on the shuttle. I've got my I've got leggings. I've got my my you know thermals. I've got this, and I've got this fabulous, my the Joey Pet hoodie and a Joey Pet part. I mean a, a Lucy Lucy Pet hoodie and a Lucy Pet parka. And I and I get onto that float, and I swear to God, the world just turned upside down. It was it was so beautiful. Also seeing all of those floats. In a line, and the work that goes into them, and then uh -huh. and then just you know you you're, you're sitting, you're strapped in, and then you start to move, and it's like, well, hello, a million people watching, hello, or or or, or however many millions of people are watching. I think it was like seven hundred line, seven hundred thousand line the, the the parade route, and then well, maybe thirty million people are watching. Anyway, it was just so much fun, and for such a good cause because. Joey Herrick really want Joey Herrick and Lucy Pet Products really want to, you know, spread spread the spread the word about spay and neuter, and to build a fleet of mobile spay and neuter buses that can go anywhere, low cost, no cost, and that's that's his goal, and so that's what this was that's what this was promoting. But all over Facebook, there's pictures of me waving like a mad woman. Just waving my little ass off. I was. That's. I'm just having the best time ever. Joey was on the front of the uh, front of the float with um, uh, the doctor for the Lucy Pet uh, Lucy Pet Products doc, and I can't forget. I just heard her name went right out of my head. 
oh, I'm sorry. Doc. And she's gorgeous. And and his wife, Linda. Yeah. And then we also had a little girl named Jojo Siwa, who is an, who is an, a reality star from Dance Dance Moms. Anyway, uh, oh. and, and and she was the only one who was allowed to wear pink, which I thought was terribly unfair. Anyway, so it, so that was that was my New Year's. I crossed something off my bucket list. Did anyone nice. did anyone else do anything spectacular for New Year's or Christmas? No. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did this year. I I. <laughs> I did. I actually did something. Good. I never taken a vacation around Christmas. We did the first family vacation in 30 years. Went to Hawaii, but saw so much wildlife. Oh, wow. And, nice. uh, whales, manta rays, you know, you name it. But the coolest thing, even though I'm a wildlife person, was we got to see the lava flowing into the ocean. Oh, um, Which, nice. you know, Where it's creating new land yeah. um, in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. And that was really cool. Uh, to see that. Oh, that's uh, that, great. That was amazing. Because I think, isn't it, I mean, as as the tectonic plates move, Hawa- part of Hawaii is sinking. I mean, there are islands that are actually sinking. I think like Molokai is going under. But there's yeah. but there's new land being formed. And, and it's on the big island? No. It's on yeah, the, the big uh, island. The big yep. island. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. Mm-hmm. I was I was going to ask if you were in Waikiki, where the you know you literally can't move. There are so many people. You can't actually yeah. get onto the beach. There are so many people, especially at Christmas. That's <laughs> wonderful. Well, congratulations to you. How yeah, that was exciting. Fun. <laughs> Lava has always frightened me. Always, you know, it was to, to get to see this, um, you know, lava flowing in the ocean. You had to hike over. Literally, dry, you know, lava that had hardened and, and dried that had just formed, you know, a couple months ago. And oh, see, I wouldn't do that. There's steam coming out. No. Yeah, it was. No. Yeah, it was. It was definitely, you know, you knew you weren't on, you know, completely, um, so- you know, solid earth. No. Um, and the scary part is actually where we were viewing the lava um, from this bench. Um, it actually fell into the ocean about five days later <laughs> where oh. we were. So um, I think I got my New Year's luck early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have wow. I'm, I'm happy to watch that on television. Yeah. Yes. You can, yeah. you can get close if you would like to with a camera. More power to you. God bless. But I, I, I can't walk over something where it's like it, I think of, you know, two-month-old lava as thin ice. And I'm going to. I'll, I, I'm, yeah. I'm the one who would break through. I'm the one who would drop. <laughs> it would who would fall through. Oh well, that. But still, very exciting. <clears throat> Nature at her finest. Nature saying, "Screw you! Yep. I'm making more land. <laughs> You're taking up too much of it. You, 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 you flea people. <laughs> I'm gonna want to shake you off like fleas." Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, any new business, anything, anything else. Tony, how was your New Year? That's right. You got to get on a mic. I surprised you. I know you I did. did. How was your New Year? It was quiet. Uh, we did a little thing here at the at the studio. That's, yes, you did. And uh, but yes, I was did. home by ten thirty. Oh, really? Yeah. I knew. I know. I said I would come by, but I was in bed by six. That's okay. Because I'm just. Yeah. I think New New Year's Eve in Los Angeles is amateur hour. It's <laughs> it's people. It, anyone who's out right. is usually inebriated, and and I'm and I want to. I don't want to be there. Hey, look at what I'm drinking. I went, to a, I went to a, I went to a, I went to a, I got a gifting suite the other day and I got this thing with this little shaker, um, this little steel, serrated steel ball inside and it shakes up your, it shakes up your smoothie. I know it's not, it's not a new product, but it is for me. And do you know what I, do you know what I have in here? 
I'm going to tell, tell everybody what I have in here. I've got protein powder. I've got my kombucha Ooh. tea. I've got um, vitamins. And I've got um, like like strawberry, like strawberry um, herbal stuff, you know, and and this like packet of spices. So I'm drinking like curried strawberries <laughs> right now with turmeric oh, and that cumin. Delicious. I know it does. You would yeah. think so. Not so much. Anyway, um, um, I, but I but I thought I'm trying to be, I was trying to start out the year healthy. All right, all right, listeners, animal magnetism. Preservation, conservation from an advocacy standpoint. All creatures, great and small. We interview everyone who deals with domestics to exotics on this show. And uh, L.A. Mountain Lions are certainly some of the most exotic. We're going to get to Beth Pratt Bergstrom in just a moment. But first, we have Camille Lacotte from the Flora and Fauna Laden Manhattan with the Vegan Teas. How are you, darling? Tell us what you've got. I'm... I'm great. I first I miss your pretty face in the studio in the morning, but Aww. I'm glad to still be a part of the show, even though I'm across the country. Yeah, listen, um, I you, have you could be in Paris. Very, I could be in Paris. You could be. Maybe I am. Maybe, Maybe. I am in another uh, another time. That's right. Um, uh, I didn't like, to answer your question that you uh, asked, Carolyn. I didn't do anything crazy exciting for New Year's and for the Christmas holiday, which I celebrated, but I did make a bunch of new vegan recipes, Uh one of which I'm going to share with you and our audience today. It's Tuscan bean, fennel, and vegan sausage soup. And this recipe comes from CompassionateCuisine.org. CompassionateCuisine.org. It's super easy. Uh, make it once, and you can make it a million other times with your eyes closed, literally. That's how easy it is. Tell um, us. Simple ingredients. It's a really wonderful, hearty, flavorful soup, chock full of protein. And basically, your base is vegetable broth, a bunch of your favorite veggies, celery, kale, spinach. Um, I use bok choy in the last recipe. White beans are part of your protein. Nutritional yeast thickens it up. Some sun-dried tomatoes add some flavor. You add, and get this, this is what really makes it, you add fresh lemon juice to the broth, and it gives it this really tangy taste. And then if you choose, you can add a a vegan sausage, so a meat alternative to, um, you brown the, the vegan sausage before you throw it in the soup. It takes about eight minutes to cook, and you have dinner for the week. If you make it on Sunday, a big double batch of it, I'm going to have some for lunch today. Oh, I want you to I want you to back it up and ship it out here. Well, actually, I all right. I could probably just no, just just make it. Um, All right, (laughs) where do you where does one get vegan sausage? I guess you can get it pretty much anywhere, but that's you can actually yeah. Trader Joe's has it. Really, Um, it's called the brand that I use is Field Roast. And it actually, you can find it. I know in Trader Joe's, they have a little section, Carolyn, in the refrigerator section that's like vegan deli slices and meats. And it actually does look like rolled sausage. It's bound like a, a actual meat sausage will be bound in the casing. Um, but it's called Field Roast. And Whole Foods has it, but I do know Trader Joe's has a good brand. And um, really any health food store, I would think, in Trader, today's age would have a vegan sausage. Trader Joe's, much less expensive mm-hmm. than, than Whole Paycheck. Yeah. Much less expensive. Actually, and, exactly. and, but the, but the <laughs> yeast, let's talk about the yeast. Just describe yeah. that a little bit, a little bit more. Well, it's called nutritional yeast. Nutritional you can, yeast. I don't know if they have had this at Whole Foods. This you might need to go, to, or I'm sorry, uh, Trader Joe's. You might go, need to go to Whole Foods for this. 
But what nutritional yeast does, especially for vegans, because it's impossible to get uh, the vitamin B12 and D when you're a vegan because you're just not eating those food groups anymore. Um, nutritional yeast has that. It is much against its name. You can have it even if you're gluten intolerant. It's not that type of yeast you find in breads, which, uh, which people with gluten allergies find intolerant. Um, it's, it's a, it's a nutritional yeast that's full of protein and vitamins and it's great. It's very flavorful too. And you can throw it in your soup. This soup, um, per batch calls for a quarter of a cup. And I also like, will shake it on my salads in sandwiches. Um, it's very good if you're eating an all vegan diet to fortify you with, with vitamins and minerals. What's the brand you use so people can have a name to a na- name, name, name to look oh, at? Oh, you're going to put oh, me to the uh, test. Oh, okay. You? All right. That's I all believe right. it's nature's, and no, I believe it's nature's way. Nature, nature's okay. Way, all right. Yeast. All right. Well, just everyone look mm-hmm. up, look up nutritional yeast online and find a good mm-hmm. brand and, and, and you yeah. can probably, you can probably actually order it online. So it's, it's a, it's a yeah. flavoring. It's like a spice. It's a, it's an additive. It's yeah. wonderful. Ah. Oh. Excellent. Exactly. And, but it's super yummy. It's almost like, um, it's, it's very flaky. It's almost like, um, you know, uh, the consistency of dried but, eggs or dried milk. That's the consistency. Oh, okay. It's kind of thick. And that's why it's nice. Like when you add it to a soup like this, that's really only a vegetable based broth, it thickens it up. So you get a little more, um, non meat meat to your soup. Got it. It makes it a little harder. Got it. Got it. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Honey. Well, since you've been cooking, You've been cooking all these wonderful vegan recipes. I I want you to start, you know, culling for the show because because you know every okay. every two weeks we're gonna. I'd actually like to start this show every week. What do you think about that? I think that'd be great. Okay. I think that's a great idea, and I'd like to have um, Andrea and I have talked about it. I'd love to have the vegan chef that's created all these recipes on the show. She's she's game. She's up for it. Is she she's, uh, in New York? Up in New well, York. Yeah. wonderful. Well, let's yeah, absolutely. In fact, maybe yeah. we can just maybe we can do a whole a whole show with her. Whole but show. today's whole that's show. What I thought. Today's whole show is with Beth Pratt Bergstrom. She is an amazing woman. She's been on the show before, and her mission in life, even though she's not actually currently in Southern California right now, she is at her home in Yosemite, and and more power to her. I wish I was there with you. Uh, Anytime, Carol. where Where she's getting tons and tons of rain. Her mission is to save the Southern California mountain lions that reside specifically in the Agoura Calabasas Westlake area because what's happening is the 101 which has been there for for many many years and so this has been happening for many many years uh, the 101 cuts right through their their natural habitat and as homes are being built 101 major freeway uh, in here in Southern California and as homes are being built and strip malls are being built and big box stores are being built on either side of this freeway. The mountain lions have nowhere to go. It's basically like the rest of the planet. There are too many people, and so animals have nowhere to go. And in order to find food, these mountain lions are forced to cross the freeway where they get hit a lot and and you know obviously no one's out to actually hit a mountain lion but Beth is working on solving that problem she is trying to get a bridge built and scaped 
for these mountain lions so that so that they don't even know that they're crossing over a freeway so so to speak that they just think it's just a continuation of their natural habitat and I think it's such an extraordinary idea so wonderful we wanted to have you back on as our first guest in the new year um local and lovely so Beth tell us and you and you also have a new book which we're going to talk about Andrew's going to talk about that with you but tell us what's the progress where are we? Where do we want this bridge built? How? What, what do we see? Where's the end game? What's going on? Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me on because you inspire me, Carolyn. As you know, I follow. We don't get to see each other too much in person, but your, your uh, advocacy for animals, obviously, I see a lot on Facebook as we trade posts. Um, so thank you for what you do, and uh, it's much appreciated. These, As you know, these animals need a voice, and uh, I feel fortunate that you're someone who's giving them one, so thanks. <laughs> and that it... Rose Bowl float, oh, I was following your post. That looked awesome. <laughs> that looked really awesome. <laughs> I, wish, I, wish, I wish my voice were louder, but slowly but surely we're turning up the volume thanks to, thanks to you and Andrea and Camille and everybody who's on this show. So thank you. Yeah, that was great. Um, so, yeah, this is, you know, I've worked, I think as we talked before, I've worked in Yellowstone, I've worked in Yosemite, um, my part-time home, or well, actually my permanent home is outside Yosemite, but I spend a lot of time in L.A., obviously. Um, but, but having worked in, like, some of the most beautiful places on some really cool wildlife projects like bears and wolves, these, at Santa, you know, Southern California mountain lions, I, I think, is the project that's inspired me the most. They are somehow... Managing to survive in, uh, you know, an environment that's challenging for us, right? I mean, you know, we all know the traffic uh, oh, in the lo- greater Los Angeles Why area you- is something that, you know, drives us all crazy. Why do you think um, I'm home on a Saturday night? Why do you think I'm Yeah, home? exactly. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it wasn't until, uh, you know, I, I sort of stumbled upon the story of P-22. And, you know, he's living right in the middle of Los Angeles, not on the outskirts, but he is in the middle of Los Angeles. Um, and not just that cat's remarkable journey, but... The, the people in L.A., I mean, I think, you know, part of my book details that it's not just that these animals are doing extraordinary things to survive, which they are and which inspires me, but L.A., which I can't think of another, you know, state or city that would, you know, not shoot a mountain lion on site that wandered into a park in the middle of its, you know, um, borders. Right. So uh, I love that the Los Angeles area is saying, no, we want mountain lions here. And I think that plays out again and again anytime these cats hit the media. Um, so, but what we know and what the, you know, aside from just our, our desire to keep them there is that, yeah, these cats are going extinct. Um, they just published the National Park Service, who does a lot of research around these cats that helps keep them on the, on the landscape. Um, they did some modeling that showed if we don't do anything, because of the genetic isolation, just the genetic isolation right. these freeways uh, cause, which basically translated means they can't, get out of their area to get dates. So, like, imagine living in Venice and you couldn't get to West Hollywood Suddenly to get a date, right? At a certain point, it becomes very incestuous, yes. Yeah, yeah it becomes yeah. very incestuous. So, um, so that's going to pretty much, you know, um, breed them out of extinction if we don't do something. But that timeline could, like, speed up considerably a be- if you factor in things like getting hit by cars right. and... Um, or getting exposed to rat poison like P-22 did. So this, this wildlife crossing, which will be the largest in North America, if not the world, um, will be on the 101 Liberty Canyon exit. It's very easy to see if you go up there. And they know cats have tried to cross here. It is really the biggest block. Of course, there's other roads like the 118 and others that we need to do work on as well, but this is the biggest obstacle for them. And... Um, 
it, it will be a beautiful, you know, it's not just a bridge. It's an extension of green space. It'll benefit all species. We use mountain lions because they're sort of the poster child, but you, birds will use this, salamanders, bobcats, right. you right. name it. Right. Um, lizards so real quick, lizards and at, snails. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, lizards and snails can cross this thing as well. Mm-hmm. It's, you're right. Yeah, it's the, a, the park. It's an extension. The, the park service who's doing the science is it, they're finding the same results with salamanders or birds that the genetic isolation occurs even in these smaller because of our roads and development. So, um, so we're at a really exciting time. We are we have Caltrans funded through the middle of this year. They I go to project meetings. I've learned more about transportation. Um, jargon and projects and ever wanted to um, we have a so it is underway and if I do my job and others we have a wonderful uh, community that's just working uh, on this from the Park Service to you know uh, former Senator Fran Pavley who's been a champion to Santa Monica Mountains Fund to you know I can just go down the list um, if we do our jobs if I do my job and raise the, the funds, this thing will be completed by 2021. And I know we'll do it because um, we have just, you know, people donate to this from from Hong Kong and Florida. There's something about these cats' plight that really inspires people. Let's, and the Annenberg Foundation um, in October just put up a million-dollar challenge grant. So it's it's been a really exciting time since we last talked about this project. While we're on the subject, let's talk r- real quick about where people can donate, even even a dollar or two. Where can you donate? Yes, every little bit. It's at savelacougars.org. Okay. Right. Um, go on there. There's lots of information about the mountain lions. If you can't afford to donate, sign up for our email list to you know, keep informed. We have events like we did the successful P22 Day and Urban Wildlife Week last year. I know. Which, Carolyn, I hope we can get you to hike with us uh, yes. this year coming up. We, yes. we retraced P22 steps, and that was uh, amazing. Yeah. So um, yeah. hopefully I'm, we'll get you to hike with us. If I'm year. not working, I'm there. I have hiking boots at the ready, and I have Excellent. and I have thermals. <laughs> I've got thermals. If we're if we're Lord knows I've got thermals. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last year we hiked in record heat. Uh, oh, okay. Which was interesting. I'm hoping that we need thermals uh, this this year <laughs> because that was that was miserable. <laughs> well, start out at start out at three in the morning on January second. I can guarantee yeah. you, no matter where you are, you'll need thermals. If people, if you get if you get more money quicker will that uh will that 2021 date speed up it won't um we are doing it and people have asked that uh i'd love to do it quicker but uh, if you can imagine this is uh caltrans i'm sorry i forgot to mention the people actually building it and they're amazing i mean they are a public entity and this is going over 10 lanes of freeway this isn't just a, a little bridge um the engineering's complicated they have an environmental um compliance you know phase they have to Follow. So that is the timeline, uh, the quickest timeline we can do under the public process. Um, it might speed up a little bit if somebody wrote us a check um, tomorrow for the whole thing, um, but not, you know, not by years. It would, you know, so. Okay. Um, but uh, on the other hand, we don't want to delay it. So the sooner this money comes in, the better. <laughs> because these cats, really, this, this is one, like you, people are going to make a tangible difference. Sometimes it's hard to know what to do, but you are we are saving you know these cats from extinction oh, it's that, i mean there's just no other I'm, way to say it i'm actually you know i'm a little sit, sitting here on tenterhooks about the fact that it's going to be 4 years i mean are we I know. Gonna, you know 4 years how many cats are going to be lost uh, in the, in we what, all are. Um, right? You know, this population's been there, obviously, for some time. The Park Service has been studying it since uh, 2002. They have a lot of data on how these cats move. But um, just since the studies um, in 2002, they've lost 14 cats. 
uh, to the to the highways. Um, we just lost two. I, I mean, I'm still heartbroken. Um, and you know, for those of us who you know advocate for these cats, every loss is terrible. Um, P39 just got hit by a car before the holidays, and then one of her kittens just got um, they just discovered got hit by a car. That that announcement came out a couple days ago. So. Um, we are hopeful they will hang on till then, but obviously, um, yeah, it's that's why we are trying to get it done. You know, you you mentioned the fact that the, there there are those sort of on the science end of it, and when I heard that, I thought, oh gosh, science and studies and bureaucracy and how many you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna devote money to it this study or that study, and it's just gonna take more and more and more time, which is such I think a prevalent dynamic in so many things that are happening, but in this case. You do need science to be continually on top of it because of the decreasing populations and what they're now starting to eat versus what they were eating even you know a year ago and so on and so forth and and uh, and how all species are interacting and with the de- decrease and you know and, and the increase. So I think science actually has to until this thing opens and even afterward, science has to play a serious part. You know, I'm so with you. I mean, I I have a science background, but I don't practice research and the research is really important but as you and I know it's it's also you know we we gotta we gotta get things done with these animals and I think that's what I've been the the park service this research study um obviously is one of the reasons we're able to have I think mountain lions on this landscape and you're right after this crossing goes in that science needs to continue but I think the good news on this one like the science is pretty I mean we need the ongoing study because these cats are in such an urbanized landscape but the the need the case has been made they have all the data showing the cats need this place it's you know most of the dollars we're raising is to build you know construction to build this thing yeah. um, so that's the good news we we at least are past that phase that can get very slow <laughs> i'm with you good good cement <laughs> and plants that's what mm-hmm. we need cement yeah, plants and yeah we need to we need power. to build this thing right. and that that's where pretty much where we're at so that's good has you know has building building has the construction has started has not started has not started. So right, where they're at, they're in um, this really boring phase, at least from a perspective of communicating to the public. And again, I go to these meetings, but an important one, it's the environmental documents where they make sure they're doing some of the initial scoping of what it will look like. Um, they did the feasibility study, which came out a year and a half ago, um, to show it was possible with some very preliminary designs. They're in the environmental documents to go over what the impacts will be. That's part of the public (laughs) process. They will then do the final design and engineering, um, which should be done probably sort of early 2019. Um, And then we put it out to bid and we're done. So, um, yep. Um, But the the environmental documents is no, like, unless you're into, like, regulations there's no fun photos to share with people well, well i just think it's fascinating because usually when a when a when a, a building when a project is undertaken they have to study what the environmental impact is going to be and it's usually an uh, a negative impact what's going to be affected what's going to be displaced the environmental impact of this thing is right. it's going to save lives it's like exactly what, and what they're anticipating need, it being a uh, sort of a, a net gain obviously because <laughs> yeah. we're, we're actually adding green space <laughs> right we're adding green space to the like, um, yeah. but obviously you know where you have to build it there'll be some you know uh, things that have to go right. into existing space but it's, it's going to be pretty minimal but the advantages mm-hmm. so far outweigh the disadvantages oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. you yeah absolutely yeah. And, and for people and, for people and, like the one thing this um, I, I think Joe Edmondson, the Santa Monica Mountains Conservancy ED, said 
when this thing goes in, you'll be able to hike from the Simi Hills to Malibu without hitting pavement. So that's amazing. Let's let's talk about that for a second because I know Andrea wants mm-hmm. to ask you about your book. Actually, I do too. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. But but mm-hmm. this this is the year that Andrea. Uh, Andrea, her voice is going to be heard so much on this show. Yay! I'm going to stop <laughs> talking and let Andrea talk. And Camille, if Camille has any questions <laughs> for you, um, um, even though I know she is nursing a bit of a cold. Um, yeah, so let's, I'm the last, the one, the one thing that I want to talk about before we get to your book is the fact that humans will be able to walk on this bridge as well, not in yep. the green space. I mean, you're going to have like tracks for humans i mean in other words do we want a mountain lion and a human meeting up no i think we do so so how is it going to be divided that that's a good question um and it's interesting because if this was a crossing and and like we you know i've studied a lot of the crossings around the country like in rural wyoming you probably wouldn't want you know humans um because that that wildlife out there is not in an urbanized landscape but these people in mountain lions, like, we're already sharing in, in all wildlife in this urban landscape. We're, you know, mountain lions are using people trails. So we don't know what it's going to look like yet. That's part of the design process. It'll either just be pretty much, a, you know, like any other trail um, that goes across, not heavily, you know, not something that's paved or anything. But we just, you know, but that, that's going to be part of the design. But mountain lions typically tend to be out at night, um, you know, from sort of, uh, you know, um, sunset to sunrise, okay. so there won't be too much okay. um, overlap. But the scientists, you know, uh, who study this, uh, actually say they don't anticipate a problem if people use it, just because we're already sharing our space in this this environment. So the the wildlife's used to that. Couple of things: uh, a, there's going to have to be, you know, no no dumping, no trash signs all right. over because humans are not my listeners, yeah. but others are just stupid. Um, <laughs> the, the other thing is. Um, Andrea and I, I mean, I'm going to make this promise. Andrea, you're coming down. We will be walking with you when that thing opens. Excellent. Oh, I'm We're so gonna excited. Be, oh, we will be. And, and, and you know what, Camille, I think you should make the trip. I think she should. It I was really should. amazing. I, I was going to say, um, I will get on a plane. When this thing talk. opens, we will be. We okay, will so help. October 18th. Uh, sorry, October 15th through 22nd is Urban Wildlife Week. The 22nd is actual. Uh, City of L.A. declared it uh, last year during our event. Official P22 Day is October 22nd. Okay. Now that's, um, that, but, but in but, four years, in four years when this thing opens. We're gonna no, be- this is every year. We did this last year, oh, okay. and um, so it's to call attention to it, and we're going to do P22 Day every year. Okay. Um, I'll be for the, I'll be yeah, when that. it opens, and we, yeah, we'll do the Simi Hills to Malibu together, too. That would well, be a great Well, okay, one. now that's, that's sort of the third thing that I wanted to talk about. Not sure about that. Mm, just, <laughs> maybe, um, maybe, you know, Simi Hills to to another part of Simi Hills. <laughs> and then we'll, yeah, we'll stop for lunch, and, you know. <laughs> It's like, it's like, I'll be, y'all go on. I'll catch up. I'll catch up. I'll, I'll catch up. No, we want to be, we want to be at the ribbon cutting ceremony. That's what Okay, we you guys are, you guys automatic invite. That's, Absolutely. that's number one. And number two, yes, I'll be there. Um, if I'm not working, if I'm not in Atlanta or Paris or Kathmandu, um, I'll be there. I'll be there um, for P22 day. Excellent. So, so, awesome. so there's that. Andrea, take it away, yes. my darling. Well, the other exciting thing, Beth, that you've been up to, because I follow you uh, on Facebook, as everyone should follow you on Facebook, uh, you published a book this last year, When Mountain Lions Are Neighbors, Wildlife in Today's California, which if you haven't read it, go pick it up, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, get out there, 
read the story of P-22 and what Beth is all about this wildlife crossing. But you also talk about other positive things, things that were changing in our wildlife, especially in California in such a diverse environment, like returning the wolf to the state and how the bears are coming back and and what we can do to exist with wildlife in this urban environment. So I kind of want to start with the wolf because I just think that they're just fascinating and I've seen some of the pictures online and how beautiful they are. But what was one of the, what was the, I guess the biggest part of the process getting them back here in the state, getting them settled, getting them reacclimated to this world that is now California? Yeah, you know, you pick the story that I think inspires, you know, for me, that's the most exciting, even though, of course, uh, Mount Lions is one of the main campaigns I work on. But um, so, you know, I, I do a lot of, obviously, the Mount Lions is my biggest um, uh, sort of conservation initiative I work on. But for National Wildlife Federation, I oversee conservation work all over the state. Um, and my other campaigns feel neglected, I'm sure, sometimes because P-22 gets all the press. But um, the wolves are amazing. And one of the reasons I wrote the book is, is to show that, that there's so much going on all over the state. There's so much bad news, which, of course, those of us who work in animal advocacy can't ignore and have to fight for every day. But there's so much good going on in this state that I think can provide an example and I think the wolves are one of those. And what excites me about the wolf story, which is a little different than some of the other stories in the book, um, is that, A, they're in a more rural interface. Wolves are ne not like, um, you know, coyotes. They're never going to live in downtown L.A. They're just, they're, you know, I divide animals into loose introverts and extroverts. And, uh, you know, wolves just sort of stay more on the, the, you know, sort of boundaries of human existence. They like that. Um, but they're coming back themselves like that. And they're coming back faster than any, you know, Carolyn, to your point about science, right? We can write, you know, a hundred papers about um, when wolves will be here and stuff, but they, they exceeded the expectations of, of every scientist prediction that I read, which was, was kind of fun that, you know, these animals have their own agenda <laughs> and that's what I like. But so this is, um, the story of OR7, and he is actually a, a descendant of um, one of the, you know, we released wolves in Yellowstone in right. Idaho in 1995, right. brought them back to that area. Yeah. Um, those, those wolves were brought in from Canada. So we there intervened. We're like, all right, we want to bring wolves back to this landscape. But OR7 is a descendant of those wolves. Um, he grew up in Oregon and then just decided when he came of age to hey, I'm going on a journey, and hiked through Oregon and became the wor first wolf uh, to step into California in 90 years. As you know, wolves, um, the last wolf was shot uh, over 90 years ago in the state. We haven't had them. Uh, and how exciting, right? Um, but, and, 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 you know, there's and actually a twist to this. He goes back to Oregon. And, and all scientists had written him off. Oh, he's a lone wolf. You know, in fact, his radio collar was even failing. And they decided not to replace it because, oh, what more good, you know, could he, could he do us? You know, he's sort of a lone wolf, an exception. Wolves are still 10 years away from California or this part of Oregon. What happens? Despite our predictions, a mate shows up out of nowhere. And they have a pack, but they decided to settle about 50 miles north of the California border in Oregon. Um, and then what started happening was they're like, okay, you know, he's got a pack, but that's still in, in Oregon. Wolves are still, you know, five, 10 years off from California. 
a whole nother pack of wolves and lone wolves show up again unexpected in California. We now have wolves in California. We have a wolf pack in California. That is amazing. And what's more amazing, you get back to what's going on here with people. Like I like to, the people, 80% of California, when you look at polls, support wolves being back here. And if you look at, you know, as we all know, the, the wolf wars, as they call them, or just the controversy surrounding them in other areas, that percentage is nowhere near that high. So, um, you but know, ca- wolves just, are getting a, a big welcome here in yeah. the Golden State, and that to me is really exciting. Let me just intervene one second, Andrea, just, just with a question. These, these, we know where this wolf pack is. We know where mm-hmm. these wolf packs are. And they are protected. They are monitored. Yes. You have hit on, which I, you, I forgot to mention, what really, again, makes this, something to celebrate. When OR7 was ra- started raising his puppies in Oregon, so he's not even in the state yet. We still don't even think we have wolves yet. California um, Fish and Game Commission voted to put wolves on the California, the state endangered species um, list. That is unprecedented that it has ever been done and an animal not even in the state had been placed on that. So they are now protected in California. So when those wolves started coming in, they were already protected, and that's great. As we know, they keep going on and off the federal list, so it's great that California has, are they, has protected Are they them. monitored? I mean, do, I mean they don't, this pack doesn't have collars, for instance. Do they? They are monitoring them. Um, they have, obviously, the, one of the great technology advancements in my mind are these wildlife cameras. So oh, okay. um, they, they are obviously monitoring them gotcha. through other means as well. Gotcha. I'm not sure if the new pack, I don't think they have tracking devices on yet, but you it's know what, I'm not exciting. sure about that. I, I, I the wildlife cameras. I just love a Lots success of story. <laughs> a success story. I love a good success story because we have so few. They do. So few. <laughs> yeah. awesome. Oh. We desperately need them. Um Outside of P22 and the return of the wolves, what was one of the other ones? I mean, the Yosemite bears, are, I would love to hear the story behind that because I just assume Yosemite has plenty of bears. And they maybe knew it didn't. And, and to hear the story of what, what your campaign has done for, for the bears, um, please share it with our audience. So, yeah, that one's a fun one. Um, honestly, I worked in the park for a decade, so I, that, that story was almost easy to write and also hard because, obviously, I knew too much of it. So, like, I think the first draft was, like, 50 pages or something. But, um, so, yeah, I worked in the park for a decade. I still make my home right outside the park. I have bears in my yard that come out of the park. Um, but the problem they were having when I first came on, uh, when I worked with the nonprofit in the park there, which is now called the Yosemite Conservancy, they were having, it's not that they, um, the bears were, you know, um, going extinct or anything, but they were breaking into, the, the bears are extremely smart. They are, and they also, unlike a mountain lion, which is just going to kill deer and coyotes, they're, they're never, mountain lions are never going after your trash or your pet food. It's just not. But bears are generalists. They eat like the same foods we do, and they like an easy meal like we do. So what they like to make us an easy meal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, not, we are you know, an easy meal. Much, um, <laughs> actually, um, at least in this state, I think the bears here are more mellow. There's never been a um, a person killed in recent history by a black bear, but uh, certainly grizzlies, uh, if uh, which we don't have, or another another story. Right. Um, but they like, um, you know, they like an easy meal. They love our food. It tastes good. Um, so what they were finding in Yosemite is. And it was sort of peaked in the late 90s was that 
bears were breaking into cars, they were breaking into campgrounds, trying to get our marshmallows and hot dogs and, you know, and can you blame them? I mean, who, who wouldn't want that food uh, compared to, you know, bugs, right? <laughs> um, so this was causing, I think it was up to like six, over $600,000 in damage a year. But more tragic was once a bear started going down that road, you then do get into public safety issues. So they were having to euthanize bears. I mean, it was the only solution they had was to get a handle on the problem. But if the food source stayed, it, it didn't matter. Every year these poor, you know, park rangers that we worked with were just, you know, belay- they, they couldn't get a, con- a control on the problem until sort of the thinking changed. That, Wait a minute, it's not the bear's fault. It's the people we need to educate. And luckily, um, some money from Congress came in to help them with bear education. And boy, it turned around in a year. Uh, once you started putting regulations in saying you cannot store food in your car at night they put in bear lockers every person who came into the park got uh, you know an education on how to be bear aware um it was amazing and this was a cooperative effort between obviously the park service who is the lead agency the nonprofit i worked for and of course they still continue to do it the concessionaire you name it uh, turned it around. Uh, I think there was $8,000 in property damage last year. I mean, wow. it's, it's almost nothing. <laughs> it's a continual process. You can't let up, but it works. Um, in most of the public, I don't know too many people when you say to them, hey, you know, may potentially be, um, you know, killing a bear. Um, most people are going to be like, oh, of course I'll help. So it's great. And now, you know, um, there's still work to do, and, of course, the rangers will tell you they can't let up. It's, you know, 200 times a night they have to patrol the campgrounds during bear season and right. say, please put that cooler away, right. but it's working. And, again, it's another success story where people stepped up and were like, yeah, we want bears here. <laughs> Fantastic. When you were doing the book tour with this particular book, did you find people who – I guess, who aren't your typical park-going people, having the same response. You, you said that we educated the people coming in the park. They responded in a positive manner. When you went out and spoke about your book, did you find you were getting the same positive response about people understanding the plight of these animals? And That's what a really good question. And, um, and I just uh, just on a, uh, I just found out I'll be at the L.A. Fest- LA Times Festival of Books this year. Oh, wonderful. Um, oh, congratulations. So, yeah, so I'm still sort of in the middle of this. But it's interesting. The book tour for me is almost like it's my work, right? This book, I don't get any royalties for it. One of the reasons I'm excited it's out is because it raises awareness and, and any proceeds we get goes back into, like, the Mountain Lion campaign or, or other stuff we work on. Um, but it's also to this point you're talking about, which my main job is to get people to coexist with wildlife. And I'd say, you know, I, I'm sure you find you, you all find this, you know, about 10% of the people are just in. They're easy, right? There's 10% I'm never going to convince. Like when I do talks just on mountain lions and, and mountain lion safety, and obviously the stats are there, you, you can coexist with these wild predators. They are, you know, if, if you want to worry about safety to your, to your life, you should be more worried about the 101, right? It's, it's not to diminish it when people are attacked by wildlife. They're wild. They, they, they can be dangerous. I don't want to underplay it, but there's so many other risks. So, but on the other hand, you know, even with those facts, um, there's 10% I'm never going to convince. They just are opposed to having any wildlife. It's, you know, it's, it's our land and we can do what we want. And, you know, uh, and, um, 
you know, pretty much um, eliminate these, these animals. So there's those I just, I know I can't convince, but I'd say yes, you know, 80% of the people um, who may not be versed in this, who may not be, you know, typical environmentalists, when you talk about wildlife um, and how you can coexist, they're pretty responsive because I'd say that 80%, even if you're not an environmentalist or a wildlife advocate, what we all share, I think, is a love of wildlife. I don't know too many people that don't stop when a bald eagle flies over. Or um, I know for me, you know, I, when we do sort of um, festivals or we go out with, like, people bring frogs or turtles um, to events. Oh, my God, you just get crowds. There's something about the wonder of wildlife that everybody responds to. So uh, I think taking that wonder, most people then are like, oh, my God, of course I'll help. Um, so people are pretty responsive. When when uh, I was <clears throat> back, I believe it was June, with Grace Stafford for the launch of uh, the Humane Conservation Initiative for American Humane, <clears throat> and we were at on Capitol Hill. We were in on the House side in one of the big uh, sort of event halls, and American Humane had brought in, I think, a bald eagle and a lemur and a this and that, and... All the senators and their staff came down, yep. A, for the free food. Uh, that's number one. But to, <laughs> but to see the animals, to see the mm-hmm. wildlife suddenly on the hill, you know, in various parts of the room, didn't really pay any attention to what we were saying about, about the Humane Conservation Initiative. But they wanted to see the animals. It's, it's such a draw. They're always such a draw. And it's like if, if, if that... I, I love the fact that 80% can be convinced. It's true. I've taken people to the L.A. Zoo who have been anti-zoo. Now they're pro-zoo. It, when they yeah. see what's going on, when they understand what the, the importance, the, 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 it's just of paramount importance, what's, what's being done. When they see it, they can... You, but, yeah. I, but they, it, you, you know, know, I say we have this incoming administration that, of course, worries um, some of us for various reasons, but um, conservation being one of them. I feel like... You know, even Donald Trump responds when he sees a bald eagle, right? I mean, <laughs> of course. Uh, you know, it's just, it's somehow getting that connection translated. And I would say some of the people that may you may not have paid attention to what you said when you brought those animals, they probably, it probably will occur to them when that comes up for vote. Oh, sure. You know, so you, you oh, yeah. <laughs> which is good. Oh, sure. I, I, I hope so. I'm getting the, I'm getting the sign from Tony that, that we are, we, we need to close out this show and it's such a shame I just want to ask one last question would you like to see you have such a love of public land public spaces um, would you like to see s- sections of land that are absolutely forbidden for people to encroach upon would you would that be something that you would that you would welcome as a preservationist as a, as, as, as a land preservationist where it's like you just you just don't get to, I mean people can kind of hike into you know federal land and so on and so forth you can't disturb anything but would you just like to see something that's just absolutely off limits yeah you know that's that's a question i've actually been mulling over like i i come from obviously a park background where i thought you know at least for a lot of my career and um you know wildlife just needs you know these islands of habitat and um that are thoroughly protected and i still believe that we need areas where wildlife are at the top of the protection spectrum, right, where humans come second, absolutely. And I think that, especially with climate change, what you're talking about probably is going to have to be looked at more. Like, are there areas we just, and we already have areas like that where, 
you know, it's like you go down to um, the Condor Preserve, you know, some of those places are off-limits to people, and I think, or we do off-limits during certain seasons, like, you know, when they're breeding. So, yeah, I think you're going to need that, but you also need, you know, you need sort of a range where all the way down to urban wildlife where, you know, the wildlife's kind of working it out without, you know, too many special protections. But, yeah, I think you need the range. I mean, I think especially with... Because, because only, only because only because we're we're so many people on the planet. So now, if yeah. we want to start saying now, we want to start actually setting aside and creating right. more wild spaces. Um, I'm I'm just I'm I'm hoping for that, but I I I, I doubt that that's going to happen. But let's, me too. Let's let's hold uh, it, number let's one hold threat thought. to wildlife. We talk about all these threats. You know, uh, habitat loss. Habitat loss. That's the number one. Exactly. Threat. Yep. Listen. I'm in complete agreement with Jack Hanna and you and everybody else. There are too many people on the planet. I don't know what even Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall has there's a wonderful video out on Jane Goodall. She says she says she would like to, without harm to anyone, decrease the population. So would I. <laughs> I think so many people would, without harm to anyone. That's that's the important preface. I don't know how we do it. I have no idea. But but too many people on the planet. So sharing our space. We need to work on That's that. That's it. Right. Absolutely, Absolutely true. Absolutely mm-hmm. true. Beth Pratt Bergstrom, thank you so much. Can we can oh, we ca- can we count guys. on your further participation in the show? Will you come on will you come on again? Anytime to talk with this group, of course. Uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. And I'd like to actually see you when you come down. You have we are gonna do we're gonna make that happen. Wonderful like, events. It's something fun. Yep. Yeah, you mm-hmm. have these amazing events and I have tried and tried and I but this year this is the year. This is We the know year. you're busy and it's been great watching you. Yeah. So, you know, doing great stuff. <laughs> this is the year when it starts though, when I when I start actually showing up for your amazing events um and we're actually gonna we'll we'll keep a tab and a running list of them on the animal magnetism website so people can find out where to go and what to do and where to donate camille lacotte thank you so much honey thank you carolyn thank you everyone love and you all i love you too and and go and nurse that cold stay inside it's a fe- it's a sunday it's a blustery sunday in new york just stay inside and stay warm okay Thank you. I okay. will. We'll see you in two and weeks. And thanks for the vegan recipe. I'm trying that as a, a, a oh year gosh. into total veganism. Thank you. Woo! Good for Bye. you. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Andrea, yeah, as, as always, <clears throat> couldn't do the show without you. God bless you. Yay. Thank you. We love you so, so much. Thank you for doing this. So much. Um, listeners, it's it's 2017. Oh, I, I, I will also say that I'm working with the handsomest man in radio. Tony Sweet, who is <laughs> truly... Did you ever have a camera on you? Can you put the camera on you? On my show, I do. Oh, on your show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Tony has a couple of shows. What are your shows, Tony? On Era Tony Sweet and Truth Be Told. That's right. I actually have to... Okay, we'll talk about that. We'll later. talk about that. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> fabulous. Check them out. Okay. 2017. <clears throat> 2016 is gone. And it was wonderful and brutal for so many reasons, none of which I need to elucidate. So we're, but we're, we're glad it's gone. This is a brand new year. It's a, if, you, if, you're, if you're the kind of person that makes New Year's resolutions, resolve to be kinder to animals, to be more aware of animals, both domestics and exotics. If you've got an animal, learn truly. If you don't feel like you maybe don't treat it right, and you know, you know if you don't. Learn to treat your animal right. Develop an awareness of this planet, wild spaces, how to li- how to coexist with animals. I, did I just drop out? Oh, I'm okay. I guess. <laughs>
their job. <laughs> My headphones. At any rate, you all know what I'm saying. You all understand what I'm saying. It's a brand new year. Develop a brand new outlook for animals, animal, ad, a, animal advocacy. Understand the difference between advocacy and activism. If you don't, keep listening to this show because we will explain it to you, and we will explain to you exactly why advocacy is the only mindset truly to have if you want to save animals and save this planet and thereby save us. So tune in again two weeks from now for another episode of Animal Magnetism. Thanks again to Beth Pratt-Bergstrom, my guest, Camille Lacotte, my vegan teaser, my producer and on-air co-host, Andrea Compton, and the handsomest man in radio, Tony Sweet. I'm Carolyn Hennessy. Again, always in everything you do, attempt to cultivate the preservationist heart. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Something tells me it's all happening at the zoo. I do believe it. Who believe it's true? Reactionaries and